Welcome to the Foncast Summer Series. I'm Brad Nowland. Thanks for tuning in over the past few weeks. We've had some great chats with Darcy Tronson and also Kath Hughes. And this week, we've got another special guest that I'll get to in just a moment. But first time to welcome Beecher Townsend and Brad Stansfield. Hello, Brad. Nice to be back. Hello, and it's great to be here again. Really looking forward to this week's guest. Um, I understand it might be um, a Labor Party person, so um, just to prove we are, you know, true all-rounders here at Font. Well, that's right. Had a representative of the Libs, representative of the Greens, and flying the flag for the Labor Party on this edition of the Summer Series is Terry Field. G'day, Terry. How are you? Well, thank you. And thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Before we get stuck into the hardcore politics, let's talk about the kitchen table politics. You were one of eight, grew up in Devonport. Actually grew up in Railton. Railton. My father had a small business in Devonport, Railton, Rosebury. Yep. And employed about 30 to 40 people in the family business. And around our table, of course, he arrived as a, a Liberal, was a Catholic, probably backed George Cole as a DLP senator. And uh, I do remember as a small kid listening to Parliament on the radio. So politics was pretty much evident in our household, discussions at least. Sure. And mum was a, uh, a big Labor fan? Be fair to Quietly say. so. Right. Uh, she was from a working class London family. Therefore, when they immigrated, she lived in pretty deprived circumstance in Sydney and she was always a Labor person. And, of course, uh, your brother, Michael, former Premier of Tasmania, very strong political views there, obviously. Yeah, indeed. Uh, mm. Michael was a big influencer to us in the family, uh, the younger siblings, so from Michael down. But my eldest brother was a member of the Democrats, the Liberals, and now Independent. Mm. He's in his late 70s, I might say now. And then um, my brother Teddy, of course, uh, has been a Green supporter and stood, as did his son. Mm. And my sister-in-law, Christine, actually worked for Christine Milne for some time during the Accord period. So some fantastic political conversations around the kitchen table, no doubt? There were, big time. Pretty spirited? Very. Uh, In 1975 in particular, we all came home from university to find Liberal posters on the hedge at our place. (laughs) And uh, so we actually then uh, put our posters up, of course. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and it was the, quite spirited. And the hedge mysteriously burnt down? <laughs> no, no, it didn't. <laughs> right, so we probably should start the conversation, I guess, covering off on, on your sort of career trajectory sure. in getting towards sure. working in politics. So you started yeah. as a teacher? Yeah, I trained at University of Tasmania, became a teacher after doing my dip ed. Mm. Uh, along that journey, I was a member of the Labor Party uh, from the age of about 18 and represented Roughton as a delegate mm. once. Went to the famous 1974 conference where Reese was rolled, which I never forgot. Uh, Michael was particularly active at that time, organising branches to get enough delegates so he could be endorsed himself eventually. Mm. And we were part of that journey. And uh, so the university branch was quite active at that time. I wasn't active in student politics as much as the Labor Party. But then after training as a teacher, I saw that to be a change agent, teaching was the way to go, especially in primary schools. And I've always had that view that education is the way to to actually change the society that we live in. So that said, I was sort of on the periphery of the Labor Party, a member, 
But I actually chose then to become a school principal when I applied to do so and I withdrew a fair bit of the time. But in withdrawing, of course, I was actively involved in Michael's first campaign Mm. and then subsequent campaigns. So I was active at that level. But I did concentrate on my career. Sure. And when your brother was elected or became Premier in, uh, in 1989, what were you doing then? Yes, I was the principal of Waverley School in Launceston. 1988, when he took over from Neil Batt as leader, I was at Ringarooma. Mm. And the very day that he became leader, John Beswick, MHA, came to visit and we had a bit of a chat about it all. It was quite small. It's a small world. Uh, that said, uh, uh, then Michael, as leader, asked me to stand in lines because they were finding it difficult to get candidates, as you, as you do. So I decided very naively to stand with, a, with about six weeks to go. <laughs> and so uh, I actually didn't have a campaign. I just... I, I had my family supporting me. My first wife helped door knock. My kids door knocked. Mm. And a, a couple of friends helped. But that said, I went very close and almost won a seat, 400 votes off Christine Milne. So I was pretty pleased with you that. must have had if a good it, name. I had a good name recognition, <laughs> of course. Uh, but at that time, we knew the Greens were on the rise and we knew that we didn't know how many seats they would win. As it turned out, of course, they won five seats. And mm. the history shows, of course, Michael formed the government with them in an accord and Labor governed then for three years and a bit. Mm. I'm sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but mm. uh, you had involvement or some, some clear line of sight on the, the Labor-Green Accord years, 89 to uh, 92, and also some involvement with... Um, the later Labor-Green yeah. experiment, 2010-2014. In your view, is it a good idea for, for Labor to flirt with the Greens too much? How do you, how do you see those, well, those two governments performing? Were they good in a policy sense and were they good in a political sense? In a policy sense, the government under Michael Field was a very reformist government and it had to be because the finances were in dire straits. And indeed, there were a lot of social issues that needed addressing. So if you looked at their record, it was great. Politically, of course, Labor voters, especially in the North, despised it and didn't wear it at all, as they did again in 2010. So from my point of view, it's no deals with the Labor Party. In fact, the uh, no deals with the Greens, beg your pardon, but though that has now been enshrined in policy mm. by the ALP that they will never go into an alliance with the Greens. That said, I have this sort of feeling that is that the right call Um, in the sense that the population of Tasmania is changing, the nature of the world has changed, people are absolutely clear about climate change and there is a green left feel. So if you looked at Clark, for example, who are the average voters? Well, they're actually left green types. Mm. So are we not being realistic in saying we're never going to get into bed with the Greens or form a government with them? Surely surely there's an opportunity to demonstrate the party's own green credentials without entering into some Th- kind that's of That's true. And in, in fact, the position that we took in... T- can we just move to 2010? 
the first position that we took was we would govern in minority on the floor of the House knowing that the Liberals couldn't form government. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry, just, just for clarity, that was the, the agreement of the Labor Party that they wouldn't do a deal with the Greens and they would correct. simply try and govern from the floor. Correct. That's exactly right. So Michael Aird uh, had a motion that he'd written, ready to present, to the Parliament. But there was another view... And the other view was that to gain stability for the next four years, and Tasmania needs stable government, that by bringing the Greens into Cabinet, that would help that cause. And it did. The government lasted almost four years before the divorce. That said, there were forces in the left of the Labor Party that uh, forced, in discussion with Bartlett, changed his view. Right, Uh, Okay, And... and Following on from that, we saw the, the infamous bike ride. The bike ride came after that. Mm. Now, there were some people very upset about that, I mm. might say, but but from the left and the right, there were people that supported the position to have a stable government with the Greens in Cabinet. Was it unanimous in the party room? I can't tell you. I wasn't in the party room at the time, of course. Well, that's, that's fascinating. We'll come a, uh, yeah. cover that in a little bit more detail in part two of the summer series. A very interesting um, point you raised there. Let's just go back briefly to Michael Field's term as yes. Premier. Uh-huh. What were your thoughts of his uh, reform agenda? Do you think well, he, he, he got the job done or was it something that he probably needed two terms to really bed down? There's no doubt that they made some errors of judgment. For example, having realised the budget was in dire straits, Michael as Treasurer wore any cuts that he made in government, so he wore it directly. There's Mm. a big lesson there to be learnt. Second, the way that they handled school closures was one where I was in the department at the time and it wasn't uh, good. Mm. Uh, It was 15% they cut the budget in education and it had profound impact on every school in the state, Mm. so every community in the state. So it was inevitable that uh, their support, electoral support, would go down. We learnt from that. And, in fact, Jim Bacon's government, when he came in, he had a very experienced team because they'd had that period as ministers uh, for the, almost three years and a bit. Mm. And so they knew what being a minister was about. Okay. So we have the the liberal interruption, I guess, in terms of... Um Post-war history well, the reality between was, 92 and 98. Yeah, yeah, and the reality was that uh, when Groom was elected Premier, he didn't change the financial strategy at all. Mm. He continued on. And, in fact, it was a really good example of perhaps m- this state coming together as a group, so the Greens, the Liberal Party and the Labor Party, on, a, on an issue that where you need to have consistency to get better outcomes for Tasmania. And so the Treasury view still is paramount today and that came from Michael Field's government, Mm. which is a good thing. We have the least debt of any state. But, uh, you know, any any new government is going to look at the old government, look at the policies and go, well, they've done some heavy lifting on these things. Why would we go back? And arguably we've done some heavy lifting and it's delivered us office, so doubly, why would we go back at all? So, I mean, clearly... That narrative continued through that period. Yes. Uh, uh, right up until Bacon that, arrived. That's in, right, in indeed. Power. That's yeah. right. In fact, with school closures, we came up with a number of different terms. We, we used reprofiling. Mm. 
we used <laughs> we used we were not forced schools to close and in fact we even got to the point where under Paul Arita's minister where we had clusters of schools and managed as a cluster of schools and that was a way to actually use facilities in a better way which meant you actually had three campuses of the one school mm. and you could actually say right well that particular campus we should Close that one. So really you formalised a cluster. We did. Yeah. <laughs> so let's um, – I think that's a good uh, segue into um, into the direction statement and the uh, 1998 election. Well, so you, you were well, talking well, before about governments building on the legacy of past governments, mm. taking the good bits and getting mm. rid of the unpopular bits. That's effectively exactly what happened in 1998. In very much so. Uh and so if, if you look at the direction statement from Rundle, as a public servant at the time, it was very powerful and, in fact, set an agenda. It was contingent, of so, course. So sorry, were you still working in education or what was... Yes, I was. Yeah. We were called to principals meetings where we were briefed on what was going to happen under directions. So the IT component was brilliant. The strategic view uh, was excellent as a whole of government, mm. but it was contingent on having money to do so, the sale of the hydro, which was picked off by the, the Labor Party at the time. Mm. Uh, so I sat there and I thought, at the time, where's Labor on their strategic view? Mm. I, don't think, I don't think we can win. I, don't, I think Rundle could win, even though he's in a minority government. And um, even though... And he got very close. He did. Well, in fact, Jim Bacon only won by 800 votes in Bass and Mm. on the preferences of the Greens. Mm. Mm. It seems to be broadly remembered as a landslide, but obviously it was incredibly close. It it was close, but as the preferences fell out, it looks like it was a big win. But Mm. actually, underneath, if you look at it, it wasn't. Mm. Okay. I'm fascinated by this because I was round. I was covering it as a journalist yeah. and I definitely thought it was a very strong win. I'm not disputing the... the oh, the Labor got three zone. seats, won three seats in Bass. Yeah. And, and it was really interesting when I looked at back in history who those members were. The fact is, though, they did, depended on the preferences of Kim Booth, who didn't get elected. Mm. <laughs> so what are your re- recollections of the 98 election campaign itself? The actual campaign uh, I wasn't necessarily that involved with because Michael, uh, Jim Bacon, taken over. Uh, It was a new broom. I mean, all I do remember was that uh, the office was revamped of people. Ken Jeffries came in who, uh, if you know Ken, he he was a good pick-up to run the campaign. Uh, And so whenever there's a change of leadership, there should be a reinvigoration. So Bacon himself... I, had, I was actually managing a candidate's campaign, Dee Potter's campaign in Bass. She didn't win but she had a good, we had a good time mm. campaigning. That said, uh, Bacon looked Premier-like. Yeah. He was regal. Yeah. He'd changed his image. He wore very nice suits. He looked good. They also, they also had a strong narrative in 98. They, yes. You know, the hands off the hydro campaign. Oh, and it was fantastic. local government was local another government, key issue. Boxing gloves on the East Coast. Yeah. You know, these the were... The imagery, yeah. They, they, they had a real sense of 
a party on the rise, you know, that good things were happening and Correct. they were going to succeed and that's... And yeah. also they'd endorsed a couple of key candidates who were actually not aligned to the Labor Party in Braddon. Stephen Cons came, was endorsed and, of course, he topped the poll yeah. Yeah, as was, a very popular figure. I caught up with Steve Cons when he first got elected and yeah. he was bemoaning the fact he wasn't the 13th member because he wanted to hold the balance of power. He said that to me his first meeting. And I just, <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. That's right. And there was, again, in that transition to government, people like Michael Polly and Michael Aird were very critical in keeping everyone grounded to, to winning that election. And I, I must admit, uh, in 98, when we did win, I came down, I was at a dinner party in Launceston, came down that night down to Hobart to celebrate because I realised there was a change of, you know, the Progressive Party, in my view, uh, was just about to make some big changes. I think the whole mood of the state changed yeah. post-98. I think yeah. the economy was starting to move, things were yep. starting to turn around. We had our first, what, property boom, 2001. You know, yeah, that's really right. And there was cash. And, and the mm. GST. That's right. But also Bacon inherited a party that was very united uh, after Michael realised he couldn't win. He was 3% off. He couldn't win in the north. There was no way he could win in the north. There was a realisation. And so the seamless transition to Bacon was made and then Jim Bacon made his mark. And that's an interesting point. We might take a little sidestep here into current day politics. We're recording this on Tuesday the 21st of January. And yesterday afternoon, Peter Gutwin was uh, anointed as the new leader of the Liberal Party and Premier. Labor seems to do leadership transitions better than any other party in Australia. Why is that, do you think? Because it was a complete fiasco under Holgate and Lowe. Right. It was a complete fiasco over Neil Batt and Michael Field. Uh, in fact, they learnt their lesson. I mean, they used to. They called a meeting to depose Neil Batt at twelve o'clock at mm. night, yeah. one day. I think they. I think Labor either do it very well or very badly. They don't really get much of the middle ground in terms of leadership. Well, at a local level, at a state level, I think they've actually done it well for the last twenty-five years. Mm. I think. Uh, so when Paul Lennon resigned, it was a seamless transition to Bartlett. And again, when Bartlett stepped down, fairly seamless to uh, Premier to, Giddings. And, correct. And so on and so forth ever since then. Right, so 1998 election, Labor have a good win. The mood changes. There's yep. a whole lot of optimism. It's a bit of a new broom approach to government and you get the phone call. I got a phone call. What uh, happened there? So I was middle management by that stage. I'd been doing staffing in Launceston for the Education Department I then became a support service manager and I was thinking, well, that's my career. But I'd stood, you see, in Lions and Bass. And once you stand in politics, well, the bureaucrats are a bit nervous about you. <laughs> so <laughs> so that I wasn't going to go far, but I did ring the Deputy Secretary at the time and said, look, I've been offered by Paula Reid to be her head of office, chief of staff to her. What do you reckon? He said, go for it, Fieldy. <laughs> I said, okay, I will. And I hopped in the car, drove down the very next day. I'm there. So I'd gone from not knowing Martin Forrest as secretary to getting to know him very well mm-hmm. and working with him in a period 
that was very exciting to be there. Okay, that's where we're going to have to leave it for this episode of the Summer Series on the Fontcast. We'll be back in about a week's time with part two of our chat with Terry Field. And just a reminder, Summer Series is produced by Icon Media, directed by Sam Icon, and engineered by Brendan Lenahan. We'll catch you in a week. Bye.